you would turn with me this morning, 1 Peter, chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him and believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience, to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, though the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news. I was preached to you. Let us pray. Father God, you are holy, holy, holy. There is none like you. There is none like you. I pray for this hour, God. There's much to, much to continue. I pray your will be done. Pray your will be done. Work amongst your people, Lord. For the reading of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> There's much going on, and I'm fighting with this morning. As I look out into the crowd, we are in this great contention. I have a listening audience. There are many things that I cannot see. And that is what's going on and occupying the thoughts of every individual in here. Some may be reflecting on the past week. Some might be reflecting on what is going on right now. Some might be even reflecting on the short term. What am I going to do after the service? Some might be reflecting on trials thinking about some good news that happened. Contention also is with time, a time of not knowing how long we will be here, how long our days, if they're numbered. I'm contending with the thoughts, I'm contending with time. The Bible reveals we're also contending with something else. Ephesians 6.12, the 
battle is not with flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, against the cosmic powers and the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Uh, church, I contend with the gates of hell this morning. Lend me your ears for these next minutes. Our fight is great. Our fight is great. As we open up the book of 1 Peter, Peter kind of hits us over the head with these profound words. And this will surround my text this afternoon. It's the word holiness. He speaks from verse 15 and 16, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Very common words for Peter. He would have heard them time and time again as a Jew. He's reminding his audience, which is made up of Jews as well, also of Gentiles. But the Jews, this would ring a familiar tone, coming from the words of Leviticus 11.44. It says the same things. God speaks to his people, for I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. If you're familiar with that book, holiness is the theme of it. You might see a bunch of laws, you might see a bunch of rituals, and God says, you shall do this, you shall do this, and for the reason, because I am the Lord your God. He says it almost 50 times. Everything from the washing of your dishes, the, 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 the little simple things in life, to all the rituals and the laws and the statutes and the ceremonies that you keep. You're going to do them all because I am holy. And you are going to come out and separate yourselves from the heathen among you. Those who do not acknowledge God or know his ways. But it was more of this externality appearance, one of... I am obeying externally the law of God and being holy as he is holy. But we know through Scripture, through the inspired word of God, it was, it was reaching to much more that it wasn't just the external holiness, it was the holiness of the heart. A new heart. The same thing to which they were called to is the same in which you and I today 2022. We could even fast forward to the, the New Testament. We see the, the words of our Lord coming out of that beautiful sermon on the mountain, Matthew 5, 48. He sums it up. You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is our battle, church. This is our battle. Pursue holiness. And I, and I think Peter, as he starts us off with this section, he knows where that battle begins. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Prepare your minds for action. That little word, therefore, he's just talking about what he just previously reminded them of, and that was, guess what? You have brought, been brought again to a living hope. If you are saved through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, you have been given a living hope. So as in light of that hope, 
Tehima. Prepare your minds more specifically for action. It's a high calling. The word action means a, a girding up, uh, tying up those loose ends. Uh, in, in the battle scene, and, and many, of these would know, many of the people would know this analogy of a, of a soldier tightening up the belt. Get your sword ready. Get your shield on. Get your armor on. Tie up all the loose ends. I have some familiarity with that. As a cop for a number of years, I, I remember going in to the start of my shift. We would have on a duty belt, all its gizmos and gadgets, and we put a gun there. I remember seeing one guy, and he spent half his shift, and I looked at him, and I was alarmed. He had his belt on, but he didn't have no gun. Unprepared. Not being ready. We have to prepare our hearts. We have to prepare our minds. And notice how we are to do that, being sober-minded. It's exactly what we think of when we think of sober, not intoxicated. Not, not drunk, not distracted, not uh, tossed to and fro, not, oh, wherever this day will take me. No, 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 no. You are sober-minded. You are clearly thinking. Lord, I got my heart, my, my, my mind set on you. I know where I'm going. I'm clearly thinking. I'm not distracted. I'm not being intoxicated by the ways of the world. But what is this mind supposed to be looking to? Read further. On the grace that will be brought to you by the revelation of Jesus Christ. He starts us number one. If, if we are going to pursue holiness, we have to first get our minds right. And getting our minds right is looking at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke 21, 27. They will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When our hope is fixated on that, we can think clearly, and we can pursue God and be made in His likeness. This is our hope. It's drawing near. We don't know that day. We don't know that day, but it starts there. It starts there. Get your mind ready. Get your mind ready. Second, those who walk in holiness put away the old self. Look at verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. What were you saved out of, Christian? What were you saved out of? Are we going back to those old ways? Or are we going back to the days in which we once, that, that ignorance as Peter describes it, and live according to that? Being obedient children. You see our relationship at, as, with the Savior as, as nothing but children, leaning fully on His dependency. Putting away those old ways. It says in Christ we are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Are we putting them to win? Are we putting them to death? Are we contending with those? 
school year because in my readings of Augustine's Confessions, there's a little story of one of his friends here. I think it speaks very clearly to our situation and, and our struggle. He had this friend by the name of Ellipsius. And here the story I'm going to read it speaks about Ellipsius' struggle. The man he wants to be and the man that he actually becomes. Here now, these couple of paragraphs. It comes from Augustine's book six of his confessions. So he's speaking of Ellipsius here. He had gone on to Rome before me to study law, which was a worldly way which his parents were forever urging him to pursue. And there he was carried away again with an incredible passion for the gladiatorial shows. For although he had been utterly opposed to such spectacles and detested them, one day he met by chance a company of his acquaintances and fellow students returning from dinner. And with a friendly violence, they drew him, resisting and objecting vehemently into the amphitheater on a day of those cruel and murderous shows. He protested to them, though you drag my body to that place and set me down there, you cannot force me to give my mind or lend my eyes to those shows. Thus, I will be absent while present and so overcome both you and them. When they heard this, they dragged him on, probably interested to see whether he could do as he said. When they got to the arena, he had taken what seats they could get. The whole place became a tumult of an inhuman frenzy. But Ellipsius kept his eyes closed and forbade his mind to roam abroad after such wickedness. With that, he had shut his ears also. For when one of the combatants fell in the fight, a mighty cry from the whole audience stirred him so strongly that he overcome with curiosity and still prepared as he thought to despise and rise superior to no matter what it was. He opened his eyes and was struck with a deeper wound in his soul that the victim who he desired to see had been in his body. Thus he fell more miserably than the one whose fall had raised that mighty clamor which had entered through his ears and unlocked his eyes to make way for the wounding and beating down of his soul, which was more audacious than truly valiant. Also, it was weaker because it presumed on its own strength when it ought to have depended on thee. For as soon as he saw the blood, he drank in with a savage temper, and he did not turn away, but fixed his eyes on the bloody pastime, unwittingly drinking in the madness, delighted with the wicked contest and drunk with bloodlust. He was now no longer the same man who came in, but was one of the mob, a true companion of those who had brought him to the field. You see that temptation? We still face those same temptations today. There's a battle of the minds. Sometimes, just as Ellipsius, that gladiatorial ring can happen in the private sphere when we're all alone, when we're away from the eyes of the public. Do we take in? Do we indulge? Do we revel in it? The screen that is in front of us that occupies our thoughts do, do we lust after it? Do we cheer it on? And worse yet, do we invite others to take part? Or do we do as Ellipsius first did? 
but was not strong enough to hold his conviction or his conscience. He would turn away. He would run. Are we indulging in the old life? Are we running after that old self? Church, if we're going to live for holiness, we've got to put away that old self. We've got to put it in its ways to death. Thirdly, thirdly, verses 17 through 19, if we are going to live holy lives, we have to fear God. We have to fear God. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially, according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. To pursue holiness, we must fear God. And, and, and where does that start? I think Peter gives us a glimpse. In, in order to fear God, you first have to remember what you were ransomed from. He uses that word. So powerful, a buyback. Uh, a, a saving from that sin which we were held in bondage to. We were actively captive in the sin that entangled us. It ensnared us. But you were ransomed. You were Bought with a price. We can fear God when we know what we're saved from. When we obtain, we have a, a reverence and a respect when we realize that He has changed us. What a powerful price. A price that we could never repay. But He paid it for us, it was His ransom. He talks about them also as, as exiles. You got, your translation might say aliens. Right? He's talking to, to these multiple churches uh, at the very beginning of 1 Peter, to, to the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. He calls them exiles, aliens. There's a modern-day Turkey in this time. But he refers to them as exiles. Let's, let's not lose that word. You're only here for a time. You're only here for a time. And if you see yourselves as ransom, you also will see yourselves as this is not a home. You're only here in Bellingham, Washington, or wherever the Lord may take you for a time. A Christian, you are an alien. You're an exile. In addition, to seeing the fear of God. We also must see the precious blood of Christ. Right? We fear God because of the ransom, the, the price at which he has paid. Man was wicked from the beginning. He talks about it, and I forgot to address this, the forefathers, right? Uh, you, you inherited the wickedness from your forefathers. It could be meaning the, the Pharisees who held to the traditions of the law. On the outside, they looked good. But as Christ called them out, full of dead men's bones, 
but it could also mean the original sin, right? Where, where sin originated from. It's the reason that, that God destroyed the world by flood. Genesis 6, 5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention and the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. This also, Christian, is what you have been ransomed from. But who was it? Who was it? And who did this? It was the precious blood of Christ. Peter's addressing a Jewish audience, and he's trying to make a case for the Old Testament. He's trying to bring that to light. They're going to think of that blood, and they're going to know exactly what he means going back to the Old Testament, and that is one of sacrifice, one of sacrifice of bulls and goats. That blood can only atone for the sins that were ceremonial. No, there was only one whose blood he could be considered precious. The sinless one, the very spotless lamb of God. This is precious because it was the only blood that could redeem us. This image of blood would, would seem horrible to the mind of the human mind, unless for what? One reason. If that blood was life-saving, then it could become precious. When it meant that that blood would save your life, you're about to die. Guess what? Then it becomes precious. That, that is what Christ has done for us. To cover that sin, to cover that iniquity. The, sa the sacrifice year after year could never do it of the Old Testament. And, that, and that's what it was pointing, that's what it was pointing us to. If you read Hebrews 1.1, 1, 1, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of those realities, it can never be. By the same sacrifices that are continually offered year after year, make perfect those who draw near. Those sacrifices offered every year, you just point to the A dear brother sent me uh, just a, a devotion from Charles Spurgeon this week. And Spurgeon, no one can do the works that he does. But he's speaking on this very verse, verse 19, speaking of the blood of Christ. Spurgeon said this, there is no motive for holiness so great as that which streams from the veins of Jesus. It is his precious blood we fear God, and we see what we're ransomed from, and we see that the very Savior who ransomed us from it is precious. Next, those who walk in holiness will love the brethren. Those who walk in holiness will love the brethren. Look at verse 22 having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Has he done an amazing work in us that we can love one another? And, and, and the love that he's talking about here is not some sort of uh, emotional love that, that would actually look on someone who 
who was handsome or had great charm or was like us or had this charisma. No, it's not talking about that type of love. It's talking about a love that pursues someone and continues after them even though they don't have any qualities that are easy to like. That is why Peter speaks of this. The brethren, right? The brethren is not uh, referred to as, as the rest of society. There is a uniqueness in that term, brethren. That is the church. That is every brother or sister in Christ. Love the brethren, right? We, we walk beside one another. We endure with each other's struggles. We continue to fight. And press on. When someone offends us, we're not easily offended. When somebody lets us down, we say, okay, next time. My translation here says, earnestly from a pure heart. Another translation would say, fervently. Meaning, you're going all out. You're going all out to bear with each other with, with their burdens, with their struggles, and you're sticking, with, you're sticking it out. There was a membership class upstairs today. That's why we have a church. That's why we have membership. You're committed to a body of believers. In a more practical standpoint, we've got to ask ourselves, because I think this is important. Now, there's 52 Sundays in a year, give or take. How many of those Sundays, if we were keeping track, are we here? Are we showing up? Are we here to encourage each other, to bear with one another in their burdens? Are we making Sunday a priority, the importance of the church and gathering together, the assembling together? I'm not talking remote church. I'm not talking about online church and viewing it from a screen. I'm saying physically present. Are we making that a priority? If we are pursuing holiness, and if we are in this pursuit to love the brethren, then we've got to show up. We've got to be here. There's other opportunities. Bible studies. You look around. Church calendar. You'll see them. Next. Those who pursue holiness will realize that our time here on earth is short. Our time here on earth is short. Look at verse 24. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Right before that, he talks about a a seed, perishable, imperishable. He's talking about, <laughs> we're going to die. We're going to wither away. Those beautiful flowers you see out there, those are beautiful spring days. They're going to be there always. Beautiful green grass. Come July, you see what happens to it. That's, that's us. That's us. Our beauty is only for us. A season. This external body is going to waste away. Do we see this Christian life as temporal? Only here for a time. 
are, are we like that rich fool of Luke 12? Feel like we got to build up everything and, and amass everything that we can while we still have time. Let me tear down those old barns. Let me build up some new barns. I got stuff to build up, and I need more stuff. And I want to have an easy retirement so I can eat, drink, and be merry. Do you see life as such as that? As the fool and the words of our Lord came to him rather harsh. You fool. You fool. Night your soul be happy. Do we see we are only here for a season? Again, Peter is, is drawing from that Old Testament. He's a Jew. He's making this case. He pulls from a beautiful passage out of Isaiah 40. If you know Isaiah 40, it, it greets us with a very welcoming word. Comfort. Comfort. Let me read to you a couple verses. Starting in verse 5 of 40. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. It is after this that we pick up Exactly what we read in 1 Peter. A voice cries, which, and I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is like grass. I, I need to make a point here. In verse 5, if he says, all flesh shall see the Lord together, what are we? Every, that means every one of us. Every one of us will see the Lord. And that glory will be amazing like you've never seen before where you will fall down and worship God or you will be in the greatest terror you've ever seen. And it will not be wonderful. But all flesh will see the coming of the Lord. He came once. Guess what? He is coming again. And Peter opens up where we are just reading. And this is where he closes. Right? We long those who fix their mind. Who have their, their, their mind situated right. Are going to want to see the revelation of the coming of the Lord. But they are also realizing that we are only here for a season. And the Lord's showing back up. So as, as this life withers away, we want to meet him on that day and say, with triumph and victory and celebration. May that be our hope this morning. In closing, there is a response to this. There is a response today. I think maybe those first words uh, that I spoke earlier that came from Jesus' mouth, from Matthew 5.48, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Maybe those are ringing in our ears. You say, I can't do it. I can't do it. You're right. You're right. You can't. Can't do. You, you, apart from Jesus Christ, 
You can't do anything on your own. But, but, but Scripture talks about that it is only, if, Christian, if you are in Christ, you're not going to find perfection, but we are called to pursue. Uh, Hebrews 12, as it, ta- as it clearly talks about pursuing peace with the brethren, it equally says pursue holiness. So what is our response? It's to repent and pursue holiness. It is to repent and say, I'm going to put away the old self. I'm going to continue to fight with flesh. I'm going to continue to fight with this this body of death that still holds on to me, as Paul said. And I'm going to continue to press on towards that goal. I know that day is coming. I know that trumpet's going to sound one day. Would we be ready? Would we be ready to receive it with gladness? Do not cling to that old self. Continue to fight, Christian. Continue to pursue his likeness. That's one response. I think there's another one. Maybe we don't like the word holy. Maybe when I uttered that word, you said, no, no, no. No, that word's not cool. That word is, does not vibe with me. That's not a cultural, trending term. It's not relevant. I would contend with you. It's not about the relevance of man. Ultimately, it's going to determine what God sees as relevant. That's the standard in which we are called. If, if, these, if you hear the word holiness this morning, that makes you cringe. And you say, no, 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 I just want to love Jesus and go on. I want to be that cool man that loves Jesus. But I don't want to be like him. I worry for you. I worry for you. You still have a heart of stone. But God promises he will give you a heart of flesh if you call out to him. Because those of his children who are known by the Father will be made like him. That's called sanctification. If we hate it every time that that we have to conform to God's way, then you do not have a redeemed heart to begin with. Your response, repent and believe in the gospel. And it's free of charge. It's free of charge. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Cast your cares upon them. I think it sums it up best, that all-familiar parable. Luke 18, the Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisee thought he did all the things right. I tithe, go to church, did all the right things. He saw himself as righteous before God. But he did not have a changed heart. Our response should be as a tax collector who uttered these words. God, be merciful to me, a sinner, feeding his chest. He is worthy to save this morning. Please hear that for the first time. Maybe you've heard it hundreds of times. Hear it again. He is faithful. He is blessed. He promises new life. The church, in that pursuit of holiness, we don't look to ourselves. We look 
to the sinless one. He's good and faithful and just. And his promises are from everlasting to everlasting. What a What a Let us pray. Lord, we thank you, God. Oh, how, why we need the gospel. Because without the gospel, Lord, there is no hope for the sinner. The good news preached. Lord, let us be your people who preach the gospel to draw sinners to repentance. We thank you, God. May we be made in your likeness. In Jesus' name, amen.